0: My name is Andrew Tate, and this is Season 1, Episode 8 of Let's Not Meet, A True Horror Podcast. My guest this week is Sapphire from the Something Scary podcast as recommended by one of our listeners. Uh, She'll be telling a couple of stories on the show, and then towards the end, stick around for an interview about her podcast and her YouTube channel. For now, enjoy Season 1, Episode 8 of Let's Not Meet. My sister has been married for several years, but this is the first time she genuinely felt unsafe in her own home. Her husband was finishing up school, and they had just had a baby, so she was pretty sleep-deprived. She had gotten sick, and my brother-in-law wanted her to get some decent rest, so he stayed with the baby in the living room in the nursery to take care of her while my sister slept. My parents wanted to see the baby, so my brother-in-law came over to our house for a bit, And just let my sister rest. It should be noted that my brother-in-law is extremely paranoid even though we live in a low-crime area. He's from a sketchy midwestern town, so that makes sense. So he makes sure the doors and windows are all locked before leaving. And half wakes my sister up to let her know that he's going to our house with the baby and that he'll pick up some dinner on the way back. My sister sleepily agrees and falls back to sleep. Fast forward a couple of hours. My sister has to wake up to breastfeed slash pump because her chest was starting to hurt. She prolongs this and tosses and turns for a while because she was still exhausted and didn't want to get up just yet. Once she starts coming to, she realizes that the house is really cold. She actually opens her eyes and hears the front door shutting. But she's super out of it. Assuming that it's her husband, she calls out his name. But no one answers. The room is pitch black. And all other lights in the house are off, so she can't see anything. Suddenly, she gets this really horrible feeling that she can only describe as stepping into a freezing shower. She gets up and checks the thermostat, which is fine. She assumes she just feels cold because she's sick. She turns on some lights and does a quick turnabout through the house and realizes that no one else is home and the front door is still locked. This obviously freaks her out and she texts her husband to ask when he'll be home. He gets home not long after. They have dinner and he stays with the baby in the living room and sleeps on the couch. My sister notices that one of the windows in the bedroom is open and she says she doesn't remember opening it but that would explain why it was so cold earlier her husband makes sure to check all of the windows and the doors but my sister explains to him that weird feeling she got earlier later she wakes up again around 2am to pump and that disgusting feeling creeps up again she shoots up out of bed and can barely make out someone standing at the foot of the bed. She thinks it's her husband, similar height, similar build, so she asks him to bring her some water while she's prepping to pump. The figure doesn't move or speak. She repeats herself, and in what she describes as the most terrifying moment in her life, he answers, No, no, go back to sleep. I like to watch you sleep. The voice definitely does not belong to my brother-in-law. She turns on her side desk lamp and starts screaming at this person wearing all black. He starts giggling. Her husband jolts out of his sleep and she scrambles for the knife that she has on her table and this person books it out the window. He had opened it and climbed through. She knows for sure that he was watching her sleep earlier when she was napping, and that it was probably him that she had seen shutting the bedroom door earlier. They call the police and file a report, but nothing really comes of it because he technically didn't do anything besides trespassing, because they said that they couldn't be sure that they could charge him with breaking and entering because my sister doesn't remember if she opened the window or not. Idiots. They have no idea how he didn't injure himself when he jumped out the window because my brother-in-law ran out the back to give chase and saw that he had just disappeared. It's been a few years and nothing really ever came of the investigation. And they had the windows and locks replaced. So creepy guy that likes to watch people sleep, stay away from my family and you better hope we never meet.
1: When I was 19, I was married with two kids. My oldest son, Jacob, was two, and the younger boy, Tyler, was about one. We all lived in an apartment in a tiny little town. There were four apartments in our building. My mom lived in the front left-hand apartment, and we lived in the back upstairs one. We lived there peacefully until this night. In this tiny town, there's a woman, Leslie, who suffers from many mental illnesses, including schizophrenia. She doesn't like people and prefers to be left alone. She often wanders the streets at all hours and seemed to particularly hate my younger son. If we passed her on the street, she would stare at him and burst into a curse word-fueled rant. We would just ignore her and continue on our way. So now that you know some backstory, let's get into what happened on this particular night. The boys had been in bed for a couple of hours and my husband and I had just gone to bed. I feel like I had just closed my eyes when I heard a noise from the front of the apartment. It kind of sounded like the toy box had been dumped, so I assumed one of the boys had gotten up. I hopped out of bed to see what they were up to. I knew if one was up, the other would soon be up, and that would result in a very long night. When I walked out of my room, though, I was shocked to realize that the front door was standing open. Silhouetted by the porch light and hunched at my boy's bedroom door was Leslie. She was muttering to herself about killing the little demon child. In one hand, she held a screwdriver as she used both hands to jiggle the knob. Luckily, the boy's door stuck when it was humid out, so there was a trick to opening the door. I knew and understood that Leslie is just sick and was not in her right mind, but... I wasn't sure how to handle this whole situation. Clearly, I didn't want to turn her aggravated attention to me, but I needed to get her away from my boy's door. She just kept jiggling the handle and muttering about the demon child. I should mention at this point that Tyler was and is the most joyful kid I have ever known. Jacob has always been quiet and thoughtful, while Tyler is loud and smiles brighter than the sun. He will do big things to make someone else happy. Jacob also thrives on making people happy, but he does it in such small ways that you almost don't realize until you do. I was sure that there was literally no possible reason for her hatred of Tyler. I was sure it was just her mental illnesses speaking, but it was insane. Anyway, back to the story. Luckily, my mom was walking home from the bar across the street from the apartments, and she heard the crash, which I now know was my front door being smashed open. My mom had lived in this town longer than I had and had dealt with Leslie's outburst several times. So while I was trying to decide how to distract her from my boy's room without getting stabbed, my mom was creeping up the stairs to my apartment. My mom stepped into the apartment and Leslie turned to look at her. My mom asked her what she was doing, and she started crying and told my mom that she had to kill him. They kept telling her that she had to. By this point, my husband had woken up and called for help. The cops came and escorted her away. They took her to her sister's house down the road. Fortunately, her sister is under no illusions about her sister's condition. She knew that Leslie only got bad when she stopped taking meds and began drinking instead. So Leslie was taken to the hospital to get her stabilized and back on her meds. The family apologized, and we moved before she was released from the hospital. The boys slept in my room until we did move, and for a while after that. Last I knew, Leslie is doing okay. They think Tyler set her off because he resembled a baby the family lost. When she saw him, she decided her meds weren't working because she was seeing things again. So she stopped taking them and then began drinking because she couldn't deal with seeing this baby everywhere. Maybe that's crap, maybe it's true, I'm not sure. We haven't seen her since, and her family works hard to keep people from spreading stories. Tyler is 18 now and still full of sunshine. Jacob is 19. We have two more kids and have been married for 20 years. It is still the scariest night of my life. I'm forever grateful for my mom and that darn sticky door. I'm sure Leslie or I would be dead if she had managed to get the door open.
0: This is from my sophomore year of high school. Keep in mind that some of the reasons why this whole scenario lasted so long was because I was extremely shy and having problems with anxiety. This whole experience has helped me to learn to speak up for myself. It was at the beginning of the school year, and I had gym class for my first period. I went to class normally for a few days, but I had noticed that some girl had been staring at me on and off. I didn't think it was anything to worry about, but I guess that was a big mistake on my part. One day before class started, we were all hanging out in the corner of the gym listening to our teacher tell a story about how he had tripped and fell into a huge puddle of mud. I was sitting on a pile of yoga mats, staring off into space, but still kind of paying attention. I then heard a girl's voice say, Teacher, I have a story to tell too. I finally found my best friend that I haven't seen in years. She doesn't even recognize me." I was snapped out of my staring spell and looked towards the voice to find that she was pointing directly at me. I foolishly said, "'Oh, no, no. I remember you,' and I read off the name that was written across her gym shirt, Ellie, because I didn't want to seem like a jerk for not remembering her. Ellie instantly brightened up because I remembered her and then proceeded to lift herself up onto my yoga mats and sit uncomfortably close to me. Just enough that our entire bodies were squished together. I didn't say anything because I didn't feel it was necessary to cause a huge problem out of this because there was obviously something up with her mentally, and I didn't want to be a dick about it. The class went on, and Ellie and I were not in the same group, so I didn't have any problem with her that day. Over the next few days, we didn't have any assigned class groups, so Ellie was trailing behind me like a dog. She was starting to get extremely protective and forceful with me. I don't get cold very easily, but she insisted that I wear her jacket and would not leave me alone until I finally wore it. She also started to say things about hurting my actual friends, which was the final straw for me. Do whatever you want to me, but as soon as you bring my friends into it, I'm going to have to do something about it. I was finally going to bring it up to our principal. Putting that whole thing behind, our class today had the option to either play volleyball or walk around the perimeter of the room. I decided to just walk around the room, and had been doing that for about 15 minutes until I sat on the ground by the bleachers to tie my shoes. Ellie dropped down to the ground, too, and watched me with extreme interest. All of a sudden, she grabbed my wrist and held our forearms together. We have the same veins. you want to know why? Because we were in the womb together. I used to hug you when you were scared in the womb, she said. This line freaked me out a lot at the time. One, our veins looked nothing alike. She had only one visible vein while mine branch out into multiple two. We looked nothing alike, and she was a year older than me. I decided to run off to the bathroom before I really freaked out, and I stayed there for almost the rest of the class. I returned later for the end-of-class roll call and left to go to the locker room. Ellie got dressed really quickly and was staring at me half-naked getting dressed. It made me really uncomfortable. I lied and told her that I had to leave quickly because I had to meet up with my boss at the Olive Garden and I hightailed it out of there to my next class. My next teacher, who I trust dearly, had called me up to talk to her privately in her class and she said that Ellie had been talking about me non-stop in the class that she has with her. She recommended that I go to the police as soon as possible and she'll talk to the principal. Now this scared the shit out of me. What in the absolute hell did my teacher know about Ellie? That she would tell me to go to the police, of all people. I called my mom and skipped the rest of the day. I stayed home the next day and went to the police station with my mom. They brought us into a room and I started off with just telling them the basic story of what was going on. I didn't even say her name. The guy that was talking to us said, Ellie Smith? I was dumbfounded. How did he know exactly who I was talking about. He went on talking about how she's in the police station a lot, but couldn't go into specifics because she was a minor. This didn't help with my anxiety. What the hell did she do to be in the police station multiple times? The police couldn't really do anything, so the only thing I could do was switch my class. I was so pissed off because I had made a few good friends in that gym class, and I had to restart with a whole new class. But at least I was away from Ellie. The new class went fine, but over the course of the year, I would run into Ellie in the halls. My friends even saw her turn around and look at me, with one of the most terrifying faces that they had ever seen in real life. She would always yell things along the lines of, I'm going to get you. Mercifer, which was extremely unnerving to me. I didn't want her near me or my friends, so I began stepping up and telling the vice-principal himself whenever one of these instances occurred. This kept happening over the course of my sophomore year. I was hoping that she would forget about me because I had figured out that we had never actually met before that gym class. I never hung out with anyone other than my friend Paige, and the time that Ellie said that we were best friends, and I even checked all my yearbooks. Not one thing even mentioning an Ellie Smith. The morning of the first day of junior year, I ran into her before I even started my class. I tried not to make eye contact with her. Later that day, the principal called me in and told me that Ellie said I flipped her off, which I didn't. I didn't even look at her. This whole game with threats and random, incoherent screeches continued on through my junior year as well, and I feel like part of the whole high school experience was taken from me because I spent a lot of the time trying to figure out how to avoid her. She graduated and thankfully was gone during my senior year. The whole experience has honestly both traumatized me and helped me grow as a person. I had learned how to assert myself more than I ever had done before, but I swear I still see her out of the corner of my eye. It's caused some paranoia that still hasn't gone completely away. So, Ellie Smith, let's not meet again.
1: This is something that happened to me as a toddler. It's not as crazy as some of the things on here, but here it goes. My family told me about this a few years ago. I was too young to really remember much, but there are some parts of the story I distinctly remember. Anyway, I had a nanny who took care of me. My mom's pregnancy took a toll on her, and she became really sick, so she had to get treatment abroad while my first year was with my dad, sister, and nanny. When she came back, the same nanny was taking care of me. She stayed with us for a few years, up until I was in preschool. She and I were really close, like real close. I can remember her distinctly, and there are even images in our photo book of me and her. My mom says that I would not refer to her, my mom, as my mother, and I'd stay away from her to be with my nanny. Also, my mom's illness made her emotionally really weak at that time, so apparently, the nanny would tell me to ignore my mom, and she wouldn't let my sister be around me. I live in a country where labor is cheap, and having stay-in or full-time helpers are quite common. Anyway, I just remember being attached to her constantly, Although she kept treating my mom and sister really bad, but they didn't have the heart to fire her because of how attached I was. However, my uncle and his family were in town visiting us, and he got so mad at the way she treated my mom that he fired her on the spot and made her leave the house. I vividly remember crying my eyes out and running after the nanny to the lift of our apartment. My cousins had to pull me back. It was bad. So the crazy part is that after, my parents found a lemon with pins stuck in it and a phrase written in her native language on this piece of parchment paper in some room at our house. We basically found out that she had been going to a shaman or dark magic priest and casting spells so I would forget who my mom was and think the nanny was my mom in order to kidnap me and keep her as her own. Before you think I'm lying, and this is one of those made-up posts that we often see here, I live in an Asian country that has a large, dark magic culture. Everyone knows about it. It's scary to think that if my uncle wasn't there, she'd probably have taken me away since she lived at home and slept in my room, and I would have been raised in a completely different way. I feel bad because she probably felt like I was like her son, but yeah this was definitely not the way to go. I promise this is a hundred percent legitimate. So yeah, strange nanny, let's not meet.
0: Was 11 at the time and living in a nice suburb area. We had recently moved into this house my parents had built, and it was our first ever home versus rented house in a sketchy area. It was in a very nice neighborhood. The whole family made friends quickly with lots of neighbors, but especially the ones three doors down. They had a daughter my age. I'm male, by the way and a daughter five years younger, which was the same age as my little sister. Our parents got along well and we began to hang out quite a bit for barbecues at their house or parties at our house, etc. Friendships were formed quickly and seemed to be very strong. After a year or so, I started realizing things weren't what they seemed. I remember seeing police cars at their house a few times in the evenings, and when I'd ask my parents what was going on, it was always nothing. Just checking in on them type answers. I was no genius, but at 11, that didn't add up. Why didn't the cops just check up on us? One day, I'm at their house playing and hanging out. The daughter goes across the street to get another mutual friend, which left myself and the father alone in the house. This was really no big deal, as it has happened before, but then he approached me and just seemed off. I still don't know what made me feel this way, but I was very uncomfortable and started thinking about leaving. About five minutes later, he tells me he has something cool to show me. I don't remember what it was, but I think it was something about baseball cards, which I was very fond of. I excitedly started following him. He pulled the attic ladder down and asked me to follow him, which I did without hesitation at first. Then something happened, and I still can't process what it was. He was ahead of me on the ladder, and when he looked back, To help me into the attic, there was something off, something about his eyes, his face, his grin. It wasn't right. It looked evil. I can still see it clear as day and can't recognize exactly what it was that set off my alarms. Whatever it was, was plenty because I jumped off the ladder and ran out the door. I sprinted all the way home and was choking back tears when I busted through the front door. My mom was there when I came through and could see I was obviously out of sorts and immediately started calming me down. As I came to my senses, I explained what had happened. My mom was concerned with how scared I was, but mostly brushed it off to me being scared young or silly. I shit you not, that same exact night, I was woken up, around 3 a.m. It was my mom sitting on the bed, and as I awoke, she held me like a baby. I remembered how she smelled and how tightly she held me. I remember her tears hitting my cheek. Eventually, I saw out the window to the neighbor's house, surrounded by police and fire trucks. The neighbor dad had killed himself and his daughter in the attic, after a standoff with the police. There isn't a doubt in my mind, nor my mother's, that that would have been me had I made it into the attic. It still gives me chills thinking about it. So neighbor man, let's not meet, even in the afterlife. This happened to a friend of mine. She told this story the other night of her whiskey, and I convinced her to let me share. My friend Nina was about 22 and living in D.C. at the time. One afternoon, she takes the subway to meet some friends in town. The very urgent need to pee hits halfway there, and she realizes it would be prudent to hop off early at the mall and find a bathroom before proceeding. So she heads to the mall, makes her way to the second floor, to the bathroom, and is practically running at this point. She bursts in and is pleased to find that it's empty. Who likes strangers peeing two feet away? She chooses the middle stall in a line of three, sits down, and lets nature take its course. As she is finishing up, she hears heavy breathing. She looks down and sees a foot in the stall next to her. Well, that's odd, she thinks. It seemed empty when it came in, but she figures she was just in such a hurry she probably didn't notice one of the stalls were occupied. She glances down again, and there's a man's face looking at her from under the stall. A bloated, pasty Pale face with thin red lips and eyes that looked somewhere between transfixed and aggressive. And he's panting. My friend screams, kicks in the direction of the face, although she didn't make contact, and runs out of the bathroom as fast as her feet can take her. She's sort of dazed and panicked, so she walks around a bit before realizing she should notify mall security. So Nina finds a guy in uniform and tells him about the man hiding in the deserted woman's bathroom on the second floor. The mall cop doesn't even look surprised. In her words, his eyebrows didn't even raise. He stood there for a moment, just looking at her, and she asks him, "'Are you you going to check it out?' And the guy very slowly turns around and ambles his way to the escalator. They never found this man, but needless to say, they didn't really try either. I'm joined this week by Sapphire from the Something Scary podcast. Sapphire, thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Um, So can you tell my listeners a little bit about your podcast if they're not familiar?
1: Sure. Um, So it actually is an extension of the YouTube series that I do of the same name, Something Scary, over at youtube.com slash snarled. Um, It was a web series I started maybe like two or so years ago, Um, and all of the stories are fan submitted or urban legends. Um, And so because so many people were sending in stories every week, uh, we decided to create the podcast. So it's sort of like a, it was our way of being able to include all the stories that I wouldn't be able to make in the web series.
0: Awesome. And I just recently was turned on to your podcast by one of my listeners. So uh, I, yeah. just, I just learned that uh, you, the, YouTube, the YouTube series came first before the podcast. And that's mm-hmm. great because you have such a huge following on your podcast. Um, what inspired you to start this uh, horror storytelling type of podcast?
1: Um, so I am an animator and I've also just loved ghost stories and urban legends my whole life. Um, My family is Filipino and they're very superstitious and they all have like really cool paranormal stories that have happened to them Mm
0: -hmm. and I
1: don't have any. So I'm very bitter, but also kind of relieved, I guess. Um, But yeah, so my grandpa especially had a bunch of really cool stories from when he was younger. Um, He's he claims to have like encountered a bunch of different Filipino mythical creatures. Um, And yeah, so I, I wanted to combine my love for like these paranormal stories that my family has with animation. And that's like how it all started.
0: And you yourself, you've never experienced any of these types of paranormal experiences as your family has.
1: I have never, and I feel like such a fraud because like (laughs) everyone's always like, oh, Sapphire, like what has happened to you? Like something must have, right? And like, no, (laughs) nothing has, so... I don't it's know. okay.
0: You're not a fraud. You j- it just hasn't made its way yet to your realm. Um, I have <laughs> e- personally experienced uh, my own supernatural entities in my life, and uh, I'll be sharing that on your podcast this oh my God. week.
1: I'm so excited to hear it.
0: <laughs> concurrently with this episode. So uh, for those of my listeners, go ahead and search out the uh, Something Scary podcast this week. I'll be appearing on her show telling some stories, but uh, we're here to interview you. Now, uh, your podcast is new to me, and I've always preferred to listen to podcasts backwards, starting with the newest episode and going to the oldest. Um, I do that personally because when I started my show, uh, I listened back to some of those early episodes from years ago, and it's... I cringe because it's, it's so terrible. <laughs> My delivery so poor. The quality so bad. I want people to listen backwards. Um, how about you? How do you suggest someone listen to your new show <laughs> and start, uh, start from the beginning or, you know, from the end and go backwards?
1: I would also do the same. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel okay. the same way, too, when, like, listening to older um, episodes, just because, like, I... I, I know I, I haven't started the podcast that that long ago, but
0: mm-hmm. I
1: don't know. I feel like there is such a d- difference. I think in the beginning, I was sort of just like, "All right, gotta get these stories out." But the ones, the more recent ones, I actually take much longer to edit the stories and like make sure that like mm-hmm. they the timing is better. Um, I guess the only thing. I would say, like, why you would ever listen to the first episode is, I like, I explain, like, what an odding is and an ate is. Like, that's how – what I call listeners. um that's so good. A, mm-hmm. I guess I'll just tell you right now. Um, an odding, A-D-I-N-G, is a Filipino term of endearment for, like, a younger brother or sister, okay. and ate is a older sister. Um, okay. But, yeah, so a, most of my <laughs> listeners tend to be on the younger side, which is why – that's what I do.
0: (laughs) So you've also produced these YouTube videos in tandem with your podcast on the Snarled Network. Um, Can you tell your listeners uh, where they can watch your videos and listen to your podcast and follow everything that's going on with you?
1: Yeah, totally. Um, so you can watch the videos over at youtube.com slash snarled. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, you can listen to the podcast literally anywhere podcasts are available. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify. I can't think of anything else, but I'm sure it's there. Um, so the the beginning of each podcast episode is the audio from the video that I put up that week. So I, th- I would suggest watching the video first um, because I... I create the video with, like, the visuals in mind, if that, or, like, visual first. Um, so sometimes that was, there's... Uh-huh.
0: That was actually my next question. You do mm-hmm. actually do all of the animations and uh, all of the art for the YouTube videos that you post.
1: Yes, I do. That,
0: that's incredible. I love that. Uh, I went through and I watched as many as I could fit in the the amount of time that I spend working during my day cuz all I do is watch YouTube videos and listen to podcasts while I'm working. So oh, awesome. I went I went through and I watched all of those videos and they're so fantastic. I love watching oh, these you. animations going along with your storytelling. So I recommend anybody that's new to something scary check out that YouTube uh, that YouTube series because it really adds a lot to her show.
1: Oh my god, thank you. Um well full disclosure, I actually like, literally, this week just hired someone to help. So now it's not all me, which is good. Okay. But yes, everything before this week that we're recording this is, uh, yeah, it was all me. <laughs>
0: okay. No, that's good. That's good. I, I like that you're expanding and that kind of segues into my next question. Do you have any upcoming projects, episodes, or anything that you're particularly excited about in the new future for Something Scary that you can tell us about?
1: I just finished a fully animated pilot for Something Scary. Um, The whole point of it was to kind of show what the show could look like if it was fully animated. Because um, if you mm-hmm. see the YouTube series, I would I don't call it animation because I know it's not. It's kind of just like a bunch of still frames because if I were to animate something weekly, I would lose oh my, my God. mind. Absolutely. Yeah. I completely understand that. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, like my dream, my absolute dream is for something scary to be an animated TV show. And so... Uh, so we made this little pilot and like, it's a story that like, I've kind of been bouncing around in my head for like years. And I'm so mm-hmm. glad that like, I'm finally able to make it into something and yeah. So please go watch it because I'm very proud of it.
0: <laughs> now this this new project, I know you may not be able to tell us a lot about it. Now, is this an original work or is this uh, something based on an urban legend or something that's been submitted to you?
1: It's a fictional story, but the creature in it is based on a, mythical creature in the Philippines. That's very cool. I love that. Yeah
0: awesome i'm excited to tell some some fiction stories on your show um yeah. thanks for thanks for joining us this week uh I, I think that the the stories that you chose from the submissions were perfect for you um and i'm excited for everyone to hear them they will have already heard the stories before they got to this interview but uh i, I hope everyone enjoyed it as much as as, as i i did
1: <laughs> i hope they do too <laughs> all
0: right all right thanks for coming on sapphire
1: yeah thank you so much for having me
0: Thanks for listening to Season 1, Episode 8 of Let's Not Meet. This week you have heard, I Like to Watch You Sleep by Devil in Knee Highs. The Nanny Tried to Kidnap Me through a Ritual by Lost in a Game. Obsessed Girl Believes We Were in the Womb Together by Mercifer. A Scary Lady Broke In by Jinx92599. Invited Into His Attic by Wally the Dog. And a Retelling of The Face by Uh She Said. Thanks again to Sapphire for appearing on the podcast this week, I'll be showing up on her podcast this week. Something Scary to Tell a Story of Fiction and a, uh, an extensive interview. Uh, it kind of went off the rails and we got into conspiracy theories and some supernatural topics and I kind of outed myself as a complete weirdo, so I look forward to the response on that. Uh, it was all my fault, though. I, once I get started on things, I can't stop. Uh, that's kind of why I don't really do interviews or any type of dialogue on the podcast that often. But uh, it was so enjoyable to talk to her. I figured we should just uh, do the interview and stick it in the podcast. Hope you enjoyed. Uh, if you want to send in your stories, email letsnotmeetstories at gmail.com. I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of Let's Not Meet.